Welcome to the Soul of Travel podcast. I'm Christine Weinbrenner Eirich, the founder of Lotus Sojourns, a book lover, yogi, mom of three girls, and your guide on this journey. We are here to discover why women who are seasoned travelers, industry professionals, and global community leaders fall in love with the people and places of this planet. Join me to explore how travel has inspired our guests to change the world. We seek to understand the driving force, unending curiosity, and wanderlust that can best be described as the soul of travel. Soul of Travel podcast is a proud member of the Journey Woman family, where we work to create powerful forums for women to share their wisdom and inspire meaningful change in travel. In each soulful conversation, you'll hear compelling travel stories alongside tales of what it takes to bring our creative vision to life as we're living life with purpose, chasing dreams, and building businesses to make the world a better place. But the real treasure here is the story of the journey. As we reflect on who we were, who we are, and who we're becoming, we are travelers, thought leaders, and heart-centered change makers. And this is the soul of travel. Janie Gupta is a social entrepreneur with a vision to make the tourism industry more inclusive of marginalized communities and their stories. She founded Sama Sama International in 2023, following a research project where she designed a toolkit for co-creating walking tours with marginalized communities in the most ethical and responsible way. Janie is also the CEO at Unseen Tours, a multi-award-winning social enterprise that provides opportunities for people affected by homelessness to curate and lead walking tours of London. Sama Sama International is an extension of that work, giving even more marginalized communities the opportunity to curate and take ownership of their walking tours. Janie has a master's in responsible tourism management, where her research focused on how marginalized communities can be more authentically represented in walking tours of their own communities, and an earlier master's in Asian politics, where she focused on land rights and tourism in Myanmar. She has previously worked on attitudinal change projects with NGOs and developed community-based tourism initiatives in Southeast Asia and West Africa. In our conversation, Janie and I talked about balancing passion and purpose with our own personal capacity to manage our workload and how we may or may not be doing that well, how Unseen Tours is helping to break the cycle of homelessness, taking your power back by determining how and when you share your story, amplifying the stories of marginalized people, and her new social enterprise, Sama Sama International. Join me now for my soulful conversation with Janie Gupta. Welcome to Soul of Travel Podcast. I'm Christine, and I'm so excited for this conversation today. I'm being joined by Janie Gutka, who is the CEO of Unseen Tours, 
and um, we have connected virtually. I was so happy to be at the um, International Women in Tourism Conference last June when you received one of the inaugural awards at the IWTTF Awards. Um, I love the work that you're doing and I really can't wait to share it here on the podcast. So welcome, Janie. I can't wait to get going. Thank you, Christine. It's such a joy to be here and um, to be part of such a wonderful project that you've created to your Thank podcast. You. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, well, to just get going, I'd love to turn it over to you, Janie, to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit more about Unseen Tours. Sure. Um, so hi, everyone. I'm Janie Gutica, the CEO of Unseen Tours. So a London-based, a London-based social enterprise that provides training and opportunities for people affected by homelessness to create their own walking tours of London. So these tours provide an income, a route out of homelessness, or a way to sustain a livelihood outside of homelessness, as well as an opportunity for members of the public and for travellers to understand what it means to be homeless um, and to have conversations about homelessness to help change stereotypes and improve understanding through that. And I'm also the founder of a new social enterprise called Sama Sama International, which um, is hoping to extend that work to, uh, to work with other marginalized communities. Um, yeah, thank you. Well, I know one of the things that we can talk about later, and we talked about just as we were hopping on this call, how you and I are both people who have one thing, and then through that work, you discover another thing that might need your service and attention and another thing, and we tend to kind of build on what we initially thought we were creating because I think it's hard like once you've uncovered something or turned over another leaf or a rock and discovered something to just let it sit there without your attention um so maybe we'll we'll play with what that feels like in our work life and work-life balance later on but I know that's something that people that are really passion driven and use that to create their work experiences we struggle with, I guess, maybe finding balance. And and if you wanted to reply to that now, we could start there too of, you know, how how do you, when you have such a passion-driven business, maybe set boundaries for yourself or how do you realize when one other thing needs your attention versus something else? It's something that's a bit of a learning journey for me. I definitely don't have that balance yet, um, especially embarking on a new venture as well. I and mean, I think you're right, when you're so passionate about something, sometimes it feels all consuming because it doesn't always feel like work. It's something that you enjoy so much and you feel it's so meaningful that it becomes more than work and therefore rest is sometimes deprioritized, unfortunately, but hopefully I'm finding ways to get better with that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. And it, it, like you said, it feels so good that, sometimes it is filling your cup as you're yeah. as you're putting out so it it does feel some balance because you're re-energized by the work you're doing but being really cautious of when that starts to tip the other direction yes. because we know we can't serve the communities that we're there for if we are feeling really drained ourselves and I know that's something in the entrepreneurial journey and in the social impact space that so many people have conversations about um, well, to talk a little bit more about Unseen Tours, I would love to hear from you. 
where, what was the catalyst for this? What was the thing that you were seeing that this was the answer to? So interestingly enough, Unseen Tools was created by accident really. Um, there was a volunteer group called the Sock Mob that went out on the streets of London with coffee and socks. I'm just distributing them to people who are rough sleeping on the streets at that time. Um, and through doing this and having regular conversations with often the same people, um, we realised that these were excellent storytellers that we were speaking to every day. Um, not only did they know the hidden, quirky stories of London better than anyone, but also their own personal stories were so powerful. Um, so that's what started the experiment, really, just seeing if we could turn that local knowledge of London and the local people that people knew through sleeping on the streets and the local personalities that you wouldn't see on a guidebook or on um, any travel resource anyway, and turn that into a walking tour of a new community, something away from the main tourism highlights, so like away from Big Ben, Westminster, Buckingham Palace, and show a real London through a different perspective. Um, so we tried it out. We weren't sure if we'd get any customers, whether there'd be any interest in that. But that was now 13, almost 14 years ago um, that we launched that first tour. And we were just really um, overwhelmed by the support that we got from the travel industry, from people local in London who wanted to really support what we were doing and to really help us amplify the stories of people who would experience homelessness, who don't usually get to have a role in tourism really. In fact, they're usually discouraged or distanced or displaced from the tourism industry or by the industry. Um, and that's something that we've been really advocating for um, and we're so grateful to have been able to help inspire other similar projects around the world as a result of setting up um, 13 and a half years ago. Yeah thank you for sharing that I think it is interesting how we sometimes do accidentally create something or you know you just try something out to see how it works I think it's such a great way to kind of explore opportunities like this and that I would imagine over the course of the last 13 years that things have evolved and changed as you've seen how it benefits both the guides and the travelers and the community or how it doesn't benefit and you need to to alter that as well. Um, what are some of the lessons that you have taken away so far? I think um, the biggest one for us is just knowing what our strengths are and what other organizations are better equipped to helping with. And we are such a small team. Um, so when we first started, we were helping a lot of rough sleepers, people who are street homeless or experiencing street homelessness, um, helping them find accommodation. And also other things like bank accounts, if you don't have an address, if you don't have somewhere to stay, it's so difficult to find a bank account um, and to start climbing the, um, the job ladder that way. Um, so we started in that way, but realized that that wasn't the best use of our resource and our experience as a team. Um, and although we did initially help people come out of homelessness from that early stage, we now work with people who have experienced homelessness, but not currently rough sleeping on the streets of London, because there are so many other needs that they have, which we're just not geared up to providing to the level that we wish we could. Um, so mental health support, housing support. Um, so many changes in laws and regulations in London as well that we're just not as um, able to support with. 
And so we work with partner organisations to help with that and help people on a different stage of their journey out of homelessness as a result of that. Yeah. And I think what's so interesting about this particular um, initiative is that not only is it the tourism aspect, like you said, there is the so- the social aspect, which is kind of where you run into the the hurdles, but it, it's such a great way to create an exchange that wouldn't exist normally, as you said, that this population would be, and what I, I don't know if this was an intentional play on words, but would be unseen, like this wouldn't be what would be visible as people were traveling in these communities um, as destinations. It is something that we kind of try to make invisible. And so what you're really doing is allowing both the people who are guiding to tell their story and be more visible, but also making the topic of homelessness more visible. Um, what what have you found to be some of the challenges in changing perceptions and preconceived notions about this population? And what have you been doing to also help as far as advocacy for this community as you become closer? Um, so just going back a little bit, taking a step back a little bit, um, so the tourism industry really does distance itself from homelessness and so does the events industry. So we look at a big events like the London Olympics, in fact, Olympics anywhere in the world, and people experiencing homelessness are always displaced from where these events are taking place. So there is this big division between homeless people in the local community where these events are taking place and the tourism industry. And these big events where we have those other tourists come into these spaces where people who are sleeping previously occupied and taking up that space and being allowed to take up that space. Um, And one of the reasons for that is that London or any other city in the world doesn't really want to be having, to be seen to be having the problem of homelessness when the whole world is watching. Um, We saw that at the Royal Wedding of Harry and Meghan as well, for example, and other events also, um, including um, the Rio Olympics and um, even the, um, the summit that was held in New Delhi earlier this year, the same story happens all around the world. And so what we're trying to do at Unseen Tours is say that, no, this is this is a missed opportunity. People with experience of homelessness know the streets better than anyone. And so if you're really looking for an authentic experience, an authentic way to see the city and learn about what its local hidden stories are, the quirky facts, the hidden alleyways that you wouldn't normally see on a walking tour, this is one of the greatest way of doing that. And we've been really fortunate to be able to advocate for um, for homeless people experiencing homelessness and other forms of marginalization, marginalization through these projects as a result of that. Um, I think the biggest stereotypes that people have um, when it comes to homelessness um, or the biggest misunderstandings that people have when it comes to homelessness is it's only limited to street homelessness. Um, but there are so many other forms of homelessness too, whether they're people living in shelters and um, people couch surfing, not having a fixed space to call their own, but jumping from one friend's couch to another friend's couch and seeing how long they can keep going with that until they end up having to find some other form of accommodation or end up on the streets as well. Um, more recently, with the cost of living crisis, we have people sleeping in cars and other places as well. So these are all hidden forms of homelessness, which people are surprised by, which we're able to um, create understanding of through our tours, because many of our tour guides have experienced these other forms of homelessness also. 
And um, there's also a big stereotype around drug abuse, alcohol abuse, substance abuse. And um, although this is often a big factor when it comes to people ending up on the street, it's not the only factor. And a lot of our tour guides have not really had that experience themselves, or that's not been the cause of them being made homeless. So that's another way that we're really helping to educate people through our walking tours and through the conversations that people have on our tours. Um, and just helping people see that there are different reasons why people end up homeless. And in fact, most of us are only two or three paychecks away from being made homeless. It just takes one or two things to go wrong and you can end up in a downward spiral. And it's so hard to come out of that um, afterwards. So that's something that's um, that we've received a lot of feedback um, from customers um, as well, just having that understanding of homelessness through coming on our tours. Yeah, I I appreciate that um, explanation. And I think as you were talking, it just reminded me of um, a time when I was going to school in San Francisco. And um, I think, you know, I, again, going back to the invisibility, it's like, as humans, we tend to kind of make that happen because it makes us uncomfortable, or we're not sure how to respond or how to solve the problem. Or, you know, there's all these other things that, you know, maybe we're navigating internally, to even begin to create those kind of connections. Um, but I remember where I was walking to school, there was one particular person that I became really close friends with because he was sitting on the corner that I turned to go to school every day, right? So I saw him three or four times a day. He learned our names. Um, we built kind of, you know, a friendship or relationship throughout the time that I was going to school there. And for me, like, just having that one moment of kind of humanizing someone who is having that experience really changed my perspective about who mm -hmm. is having that experience and that it isn't people that, it, that it is in fact people. I mean, I, that's really mm -hmm. what I, I think I took away from it and uh, that I, I had a, you know, a caring for that person and a respect for that person. And I think it, it just takes opportunities like this for other people to really start to be able to kind of dive into that own story that they've internalized in order to be able to overcome that and, and help and to, to be a part of the solution instead of kind of just disregarding the problem entirely. Yeah, I think you're completely right. And I'm so glad you had that experience of um, really interacting with someone who was experiencing homelessness. Um, a lot of people that we work with feel really unseen um, when they're experiencing street homelessness especially and that's one of the reasons why we called our organization unseen tours um i think it's one of the also one of the reasons why we do what we do um in that we change the power dynamics um so instead of having someone who's feeling invisible feeling unseen who doesn't have any opportunity to speak to people who are so busy in their day-to-day -day lives and who constantly just rush past them when they're um, rough sleeping on the streets of London. Um, instead, we now have someone who's experienced that leading people around their own communities, showing them all the stories and the hidden, hidden gems in their community and um, really being at the front of that um, journey of sharing those stories and leading those conversations about homelessness also. Yeah, um, I love, you know, framing that as how that shifts the power dynamic. I think that 
in other aspects in tourism and community-based, community-led tourism, that storytelling piece is really important is, is who's still telling the story and, and what it feels like to tell your own story and to then find the value in it and to know that no matter what your story is, it is purposeful and meaningful. And I think that that really changes how you feel about your own lived experience. And so I think it's such a, a powerful part of, of the work that you're doing. Um, I would love to have our listeners have a, a deeper understanding of how Unseen Tours does help to break the cycle of homelessness. Um, I know you mentioned some of the challenges you've had, even as far as addresses and paychecks, but what is the overall um, um, process and strategy for helping to break the cycle of homelessness through this initiative? Um, so the way that we work with our tour guides is we don't give them a set script or anything like that. We work with them to really create their own tours of their communities. Um, so a lot of it's around helping them choose which stories of their own experience they want to share with customers and helping them weave that into the tour narrative and also making decisions about what stories of their local community they want to share. So if they have a passion for street art, like our Brooklyn tour guide Pete does, he includes that as a big part of his tour and he introduces some street artists like Stick who also experienced street homelessness um, previously. Um, another one of our tour guides, Ben, um, brings in stories of his own his own family. Um, so his father, he worked for the Guardian newspaper, so he talks about that. Um, and it's an opportunity for him to share stories from his own family as well and bring that into the walking tours. Um, and through the walking tours, we help provide opportunities for guides to have training for um, public speaking skills, um, people management skills, how do they help lead a group around their community. Um, these are not too many people who've had experiences of tour guiding and public speaking previously. So this is a big step from um, feeling invisible on the start of the journey to having people feel that they have the ability to share their stories and that the stories are worth being shared and listened to and that people are really finding value in their stories that really helps build up their self-confidence um, also. And so we've seen that um, link with mental health um, improvement um, as a result of that also and just not being made feel invisible. Um, and at least 60% of the revenue from our ticket sales from our public tours goes directly to our tour guides. Um, so the whole point of this tour is, is to make sure that our guides retain a life outside of homelessness. Um, and that's something that we're working on improving and building upon and hopefully recruiting new tour guides as well so that we can help increase impact we're able to make and help even more people um, become tour guides and retain their life outside of homelessness also. Yeah. Um, and as you were speaking about developing skills in uh, speaking and leadership and, you know, com community service really, or um, um, being a guide, you have also looked at the industry from a broader scale and looked at events and um, industry events, tourism events, heritage events, who often need employees to create these events, um, and looked at how you can partner to bring in staff from the community that you've already been working with. I know that I was able to see this in practice in London 
uh, last summer, um, which I was really delighted to hear about when I was at the the Women in Travel CIC event. Um, but how how has that um, expansion of the work you're doing worked, and what has been the experience for both the participants and the event hosts? Um, one of our biggest developments was during the pandemic. So during the pandemic, we weren't able to continue our walking tours because London, like so many cities around the world, was in lockdown. Um, and so we had to quickly pivot our business and look at the um, event space to, to host virtual events, really. So using our guide's knowledge of London and turning that into not in the pub virtual quizzes that friends, groups of friends, um, colleagues, and um, corporates could book. Um, through our website and we could provide this virtual experience for them and it was a great way for them to to get to know London a bit more even if they thought they knew it really well and have a bit more bit of competitive fun with their friends and family but it also allowed us to have these conversations about homelessness during the pandemic and really spotlight our guides and the excellent work that they were doing and the just the incredible knowledge they have of London and um, through that process um, more recently, we've been speaking at various events um, in the heritage space and the tourism space to really um, to really shine a light on these hidden stories and help amplify these hidden stories that don't often get shared in the, the tourism and events industry. And that's something we're really hoping to continue doing um, in the months to come. Yeah. Um, well, we mentioned at the beginning of the conversation kind of how when you discover something else that needs your attention, sometimes it's hard to walk away. And I know one of the recent um, additions to Unseen Tours is um, really in response to trafficking. And um, I had seen a recent post of yours on LinkedIn uh, where I love following you to hear about what you're up to now, but you were talking about the Rwanda bill and some of the... the uh, tours that you're creating now to increase understanding of these issues and really create spaces for conversation, which I think is really what you're doing that is so important is the conversation, education and interaction. But can you tell us a little bit about that aspect of the business? Sure. Um, so I've been working recently with um, some women who are survivors of human trafficking and child trafficking. Um, this was following a program led by Women in Travel, CIC, where they um, partnered with Google to um, provide some, some training to these women to help them find jobs um, in uh, various stages of their career. And so um, following on from that program, we've been working with two women to help them create their own walking tours. Um, that's been an opportunity for them to find a way to create their stories in a way that they feel most comfortable. Um, of course, these stories are very um, difficult to share and there's a lot of trauma involved in sharing a lot of these very personal stories. So a lot of our work is around um, helping our tour guides um, feel comfortable sharing parts of their story, but also feeling comfortable not to share parts of their story and um, how to deflect questions if it feels too personal. Um, for the tours that we are creating with them, the first one being in Canning Town, which will be launching next month, so February, um, is also a great way for her to feel more at home in East London. Although um, the tour guide's been here in London for about 20 years now, 
um, the experience of being trafficked um, and experience of surviving modern slavery means that her relationship with London has been different to many other people who come to the city. So it's been a way for her to really get to know the city, the history of the city, feel more at home in the city and help her family feel more at home in the city as well. Um, we've researched things about the local history together. Um, she shares stories about her own family and their their links to local schools, local community organisations as part of the tour also, and just having opportunities to have these conversations about modern slavery, which again, is just not really spoken about. I mean, I think the UK is this, has the second highest number of um, people being trafficked in Europe. So that's a very significant number of people, but these conversations are just not really happening ordinarily. Um, and so it's something we're tra trying to do through our walking tours. Um, and by having our tour guides decide how to have these conversations and decide which parts of their stories to share, we're empowering them to, them to take ownership of their stories and how they're told can really be the way to, to have these conversations and to leave these conversations rather than having someone else speaking on their behalf which doesn't give you a true understanding of the realities of these unfortunate circumstances. Yeah, um, again, I, I think that is so important, as you mentioned, is just the the taking this story back and and being able to be in control of of the experience from that that aspect. Um, I have been at a few events here in the U.S. where um, we were really working to create awareness as well of, of the same issues. And I remember one girl speaking and she was speaking kind of in the third person about the experience and kind of talking in general. And she was is now someone who helps to um, help girls transition from being a survivor and then back into mainstream society and like how to how to reintegrate and by the time she got to the end of the story, then she like shared that the story that she had told at the beginning was actually her story. And it was so powerful to kind of, I guess, be able to relate to her, to be able to understand the experience that's happening. And again, I think this is something that so many of us are so disconnected from that we really can't understand the experience. And so one of the only ways to really, to be able to have a, a more in-depth understanding is to hear from someone firsthand. And I think probably much like you, when you hear that, then, then it is so much harder for the, that person to become invisible again, and you then want to help. And I, so I think it's so important and I, I really respect these women that are being brave enough to be leaders and and telling their own stories and to show up. And, mm -hmm. and really, I think that will create a huge change. The dialogue is really important. So I really um, I appreciate so much this work that you're doing, that, that they're doing, that you're creating this together. Thank you. It's such a privilege to be able to help um, these women share these stories especially as they are so difficult and traumatic to share. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Um, well, I, I know from this, you, you mentioned at the beginning of our conversa conversation as well that another um, social enterprise has emerged, which um, is the Sama Sama International. Um, can you tell my listeners a little bit more about that, the work that you're doing there and, and what you're trying to create? Um, so been working with various other similar organizations on Zoom tours over the past year and to understand how they develop tours working with marginalized communities in a way that marginalized communities retain agency for how these tours are developed, which stories are shared. And we're really trying to expand the work we're doing on scene tours now to work with other marginalized communities beyond London, beyond the UK. So working with survivors of human trafficking and modern slavery is one example of us extending that work. Um, but we're also looking at hopefully working with um, Trans women in Sao Paulo who face a lot of discrimination and find it challenging to work outside of certain industries at the moment um, and the stigma associated with um, the trans community is, is such an issue in South America and many other parts of the world that's something we're really excited to be working on and championing to help amplify these voices also in recent communities. Um, another project we're hoping to work on is with survivors of domestic violence in Mongolia um, because it's so difficult for them to find jobs again outside of certain sectors. So it's a way of creating new meaningful opportunities to see a city or a community or an area in a different perspective, but also finding ways to provide meaningful work opportunities and training opportunities people who are usually excluded from the tourism heritage events industry um, so we feel that it's a win-win for everyone but the way that we really want to work is to equip the local communities with the skills to um, then take on this micro social enterprise on their own so they can help local economic development more locally and we can provide as much support as required from a distance and we'll come back and return to do some training but we'd really like communities to take ownership and to take their lead in choosing the direction that these projects go in after the initial training has taken place so that it really is a community-owned and a community-led initiative in each area that we develop. Yeah, um, I, I, as I was reading more about this, I just think it's such a beautiful extension of the work that you're doing as you're, you know, witnessing what, what does it mean to be a marginalized group? Who are who are these groups and populations? And then discovering that this is such a, a variety of people and experiences. And there's so many ways that you can begin to address this. And um that some of there's some overlap in some areas that is disconnect, but I, I think that it's um such a great way for you to continue to create impact. Hey, it's Christine. Interrupting this conversation for just a moment to tell you about an incredible resource for women and non-binary entrepreneurs starting their travel businesses or wanting to create a more solid and sustainable foundation for their business. I am delighted to introduce you to one of the Soul of Travel allies, Women's Work. Women's Work helps women and non-binary folks build thriving tourism businesses through education, mentorship, and community. I'd love to take you back to my first connection with Women's Work, 
back in December of 2021. I had a meeting with the founder, Iris Serbanescu. She was in the early stages of launching the Accelerator program, but I was actually meeting her to hear about a property in Nicaragua she was representing at the time. She hopped on Zoom, fresh off the beach, with still damp hair, and if I recall correctly, she was still wearing a swimsuit and cover-up. From her easygoing, full-of-life energy and passion for creating community and building connections between impact-driven companies, I knew right away she'd be someone I'd be staying connected with. In a follow-up email, she casually mentioned an idea she'd been incubating and was creating a pilot program for called Women's Work to support early-stage women and non-binary entrepreneurs. It was kicking off in just a few weeks, and she thought I wouldn't necessarily want to participate, but wondered if I had any referrals. However, with my women's adventure travel company, Lotus Sojourns, being launched just before the pandemic, I felt like I was still in startup mode, and I loved this idea. Without much convincing, I offered a full-hearted yes. Day one, I didn't really know what to expect. I just knew that I would follow this brilliant woman where she would lead, and I couldn't wait to be a part of the container she was creating. Then Iris shared the modules and content, the guest presenters and mentors, and I was floored. I couldn't believe the travel leaders she had involved to share about their journeys and the industry experts who would be walking us through all of the steps to successfully launch a travel business. And the other women on the call who would join me on this journey were all so passionate and enthusiastic about the industry and what they were creating. It was perfect. I have been in the industry nearly 20 years at this point, and I also have a master's in tourism administration, and this was what I had been looking for. There is no other place that I have seen that offers this level of support for early stage entrepreneurs. Women's work aim is to flatten the learning curve when it comes to industry knowledge and entrepreneurship, helping you reach your goals faster and with more fun, which I can attest to. Through 12 weeks of expert led workshops, mentorship, and community. Even after all this, the fact that I was surrounded by women as I went through this journey only made it better for me. And now I have a beautiful community of women who are friends and still support me as I grow my business. So here we are, two years later, and Women's Work is about to launch its fifth cohort of this incredible tourism business accelerator. And I am still standing beside Iris and having full faith in her vision. If you are interested in this type of support to grow your business, you can still join the cohort that begins on February 26th. Just visit womenswork.com to apply today. That's W-M-N-S-W-O-R-K.com. Be sure to let Iris know you heard about the Accelerator here on Soul of Travel podcast. And are you an industry professional or business owner who would love to support women's work and their mission? You can get involved as a sponsor, subject matter expert, or mentor. You can reach out to me for an introduction or just email them directly at womenswork at byirisco.com. 
That's W-M-N-S-W-O-R-K at B-Y-I-R-I-S-C-O dot com. Iris and I would love to launch a special series here on the podcast dedicated to telling the stories of Women's Work alum. If your business would like to support us in amplifying the voices of women and supporting more women in achieving leadership roles in the industry, reach out to me at connect at lotussojourns.com. Thank you again to Iris and Women's Work for being an ally of the podcast. I deeply appreciate your partnership and support of my work. Thank you for taking the time to hear a bit about women's work. Now let's head back to our soulful conversation. Um, One thing I wanted to talk to you about, because as our listeners will have experienced so far, that a lot of the things that you are bringing to the forefront are conversations that are difficult to have, are things, again, that people really feel uncomfortable facing head on. I'm curious about the travelers who have participated in these experiences so far, what has been their feedback and maybe some of the things that they were surprised by or experiences that they've had overall? I think that was something we were keen to do. We don't want this to be a voyeuristic or exploitative experience. Um, It's not kind of poverty. It's not um, poverty porn. Um, It's not meant to be voyeuristic in that way. Um, but it's more about people um, sharing their stories, sharing some of the challenges that they may have experienced in their life, but that's not the only focus of the tour. The focus is about having these conversations, increasing understanding, but also seeing the city through a new way. The, there are other stories that are so interesting that are not being taught. There are other forms of art, forms of culture that are not shared as often in walking tours and that's also something that we're trying to bring out through these experiences that we're curating. Um, I think when people book an unseen tour there are kind of two um two maybe um thoughts that people have about what the tours may be like. Um, some people think that it will just be in um a tour of homelessness. Um, so maybe pointing out poverty um, in a very voyeuristic way, and that's something that we don't do. So they're, they're surprised um, in how we deliver our tours and the fact that it's a person with experience of homelessness um, leading the tour by themselves um, and not having someone else speaking on their behalf. And that's been really great feedback for them to realise that there are so many other opportunities that they could be thinking about and how they engage with people with experience of homelessness. And it's resulted in people volunteering with other organizations and helping support the homelessness course, which we really enjoyed seeing. Um, other feedback that we've had is just that they've loved seeing London through a different perspective. Um, we look at communities that aren't on the normal tourism kind of um, highlights of London. To areas of Brick Lane, which are becoming a little, bit, a little bit more popular now, but are not the typical places that tourists generally tend to go to. I think that's what they really enjoyed, seeing a different part of London through a different perspective um, and learning more about the other communities, other multicultural communities um, that make London the vibrant city that it is. And um, that's been really positive. 
Yeah, we've just had we've just had a lot of good feedback, I think, from customers. Um, because they can also see the difference that it's making through the tour guides' lives, through their self-confidence. If they return on our tours year on year with different groups of friends, they can really see the confidence increasing in each tour guide that they meet. Um, and more recently, we've also started working with schools, universities and corporates as well. So they were having more of a local tourism um, effect as well, having people take tours of their own communities and see the hidden stories of their own communities, which they think they know really well, but we can always provide a new perspective, a new angle and a new in-depth um, understanding of their own communities also, which has been really good to see. Yeah. Well, and when people, you know, ask how is it, what is one of the, the best ways to create a positive impact through tourism? You know, we often talk about working with local guides, um, employing local people, making sure that the money that you're spending is going right back into the community. And I think that's one of the things when I initially heard about Unseen Tours as well, that I was like, this is this is such a great way to have that impact. And so not only, like you said, are you getting this firsthand account and probably this experience you wouldn't have, you know, as a traveler, I know for sure the experiences I've had in London so far have not allowed me to probably see any of the real London. Um, and when I thought about coming, I had wished I had time to take one of your tours because I, I really wanted one to be able to contribute economically in that way, but two, to learn um, and understand a destination from this perspective. So I think this is also such a beautiful example of community-based tourism and responsible tourism in action in a way that some people might not really expect or think about. Um, well, I would love to hear from you what you are, when you look at the, the bigger picture here, because I, I do know that you've been studying um, and really focusing on responsible tourism as well, um, what do you, what would you like to see in the future or how do you think more communities can build on the example that you've created to really, to create more of a positive impact and be more inclusive in the storytelling of a destination? I think one thing the pandemic has shown us as well is that there are so many local experiences that we don't really take the opportunity to to go on or to experience in the cities where we stay, cities close to where we stay. And I think tours like Unseen Tours and other similar experiences are a great way to really connect people to their local heritage, to their local community stories. And that's something that I think can help even um, with the problems of over-tourism and um, with taking people outside of the tourism hotspots of each city and helping them see other areas of the city and they don't often get seen. Um, also helping them reduce their carbon emissions or their carbon footprint because they're having experiences closer to home. And so that's a great win for local communities and for people as well. Um, who are wanting these experiences that maybe don't have the time or the resource or um, want to reduce their carbon emissions but still have similar experiences closer to home. Um, I think destinations really have a lot to add or to gain. Destinations also have a lot to gain um, from these experiences because it adds a new dimension to stories that 
are not otherwise taught in local communities or local areas. Um, it doesn't, to me, make sense to tell stories of an indigenous community from an outside perspective when you have people from that own community who are there um, and probably know the stories better or know a different perspective of that story and could therefore be included in that narrative. And that's something that we're really keen to see. Um, so that could be indigenous communities, it could be other marginalized communities that all engage and interpret um, stories of local heritage differently and they add their own perspective and their own lens and their own interpretations to that which adds so much more value and vibrancy to anything that we have in in any city in the world really and it seems like a missed opportunity um to not be including these voices and these perspectives in the tourism narrative so I really hope people begin to see that um, and it's also a way to help poverty alleviation in local communities, a lot of the communities that we work with face a lot of discrimination um, or don't have the same access to opportunities that other, other communities may have. So this is a way to help redistribute some of that resource from tourism to help these underserved communities um, access um, business or access um, resources and have access to employment through this tourism industry which is always growing and changing and it seems like a great option to combine them both together. Um, I think it's stories that really make a place memorable um, and then having a variety of stories and a variety of perspectives can only add to a destination story and I think that's what engaging with marginalized communities can really bring to any destination whether it's rural urban in any country in the world um i think there can only be um it can only be of a benefit maybe to any community yeah I, I think it's really powerful and as you said it's those connections um, that people really remember. And, uh, you know, even as you were saying, you know, those are the kinds of experiences maybe that I happened upon while I was traveling that really resonate, that helped me to understand where I've been, that leave me connected long after I leave. And so being able to kind of easily find this level of, of really intimate connection to a destination, I think is also such a gem I, I, for travelers that are really seeking that. This is just such a beautiful way of connecting to a place in a in a richer uh, in a richer way. And I really hope that you know this model and this idea of the ownership of storytelling can continue to grow. And also, as you were talking, I was kind of thinking, you know, when most people see a destination it's like picking up a book in the bookstore and like reading the front and reading the back and putting it back down and you know what you're offering is all the different chapters for people to really move through the destination and connect in different ways and understand even more about where they are and so I, I think this is just a really beautiful offering um before we end our conversation conversation Janie I want to go back to kind of where we started in the the entrepreneurial aspect of this and the passion-driven piece for listeners who maybe have had something like this 
on the back burner or this idea that they've had that kind of won't let them, they can't let go of it. What would you say to them to really bring that into fruition, to encourage them to take this thing that really lights them up and actually turn it into something and bring it to life? Um, I think I'd say just talk about it, have conversations about it with people in your network, people you meet. Um, it's through having conversations and creating networks and connections with people that I think we can really make or help these ideas come into reality. And especially if they're making a positive contribution to the world. I think there are always people who are there to, to support and um, to be your cheerleaders um, and to, to creating these projects or these initiatives that make the world a better place and more inclusive for people. And I think I've just been really lucky to have had conversations with people and met people who really helped us continue and to grow in the way that we have. Um, so I am so privileged to have had met these people and to have them help us along our journey. Um, so I think if other people have similar ideas or similar intentions, having conversations, creating networks, um, and just being open about what they're hoping to achieve will hopefully help them be able to do the same. But it takes a lot of a lot of work. It's not always easy, but if you're passionate about something and you can see the value that it can bring to the world and to your communities, um, I really hope they're able to find the network and the resource and the support to, to bring it to life. And yeah that we can kind of create a better, more inclusive world together through these initiatives and ideas. Yeah, thank you. I, I think that is so important. I always say it's the people around you that are gonna ensure that you succeed, especially when you have the days where you're done with it because it is really hard. Um, if you've already gotten them excited about what you're doing, they're gonna remind you of where that passion was coming from. And also, like you said, that you just never know which conversation is going to be the one that's going to open the next door. And so if you're passionate about it and you love talking about it anyway, just keep putting yourself out there because, yeah, you you it could just be the person like dining at the table across from you that might overhear something you say that could change everything for yourself and for the community that you are hoping to create change for. So I, I think it's... Um, sometimes more bold than some of us want to be. But at the same time, when it's something we love, you sometimes can't put a lid on it anyway. So you might as well just go for it. Um, well, I really appreciate you joining me for this conversation. Um, I have really looked forward to it for so long and I'm so grateful to be able to bring Unseen Tours to the Soul of Travel audience. Um, before we go, I have a few rapid fire questions, which I think you should be familiar with since I know you listen to the <laughs> podcast. Um, but the first one is, what are you reading right now? So I'm reading a book called Wild Swans at the moment. Um, really looking at Chinese history and during the Cultural Revolution. Um, and what is always in your suitcase or backpack when you travel? A diary or a journal. Um, just to make notes um, of any kind of light bulb moments, any moments of inspiration that I have at any point. And also I'm a big believer in um, gratitude, like generally gratitude moments. So every day um, 
I try to find at least three days that I'm grateful for to help ground me to to have some more positivity. I think when things aren't as easy in the entrepreneur journey. Yeah. Thank you. As you were saying that too, I, many people mentioned having a journal and a notebook with them, but um, I was just reminded of a, a reason why my family usually tries to travel with a notebook or sometimes even note cards. And I always ask my kids to leave a note. If we've stayed like at a guest house or a place where, you know, someone actually would know who we were, maybe not a hotel, but where you develop a relationship to have them always leave a note of thanks um, maybe something loved about the stay. And even if we're staying at a friend's house, like they will maybe hide it under a pillow or something. It's kind of a game. Um, so I, I feel like that's another good reason to maybe have a, a notebook or a piece of paper with you because a handwritten note goes a long way. <laughs> that's such a great idea. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> to sojourn is to travel somewhere as if you live there for a short while. Where is a place that you would still love to sojourn? I think Vietnam and Indonesia, they just, they just have, they captured my heart um, when I was living in West India. Um, yeah, anywhere in Asia, really, but the whole world has been so, so kind and so generous. Um, out of everywhere, I think Vietnam and Indonesia took them. Yeah. Uh, what is something you eat that immediately connects you to a place that you've been? My favorite food in the world is tempeh. It's kind of, um, I don't know if you know what it is, but it's kind of um, fermented soybeans, similar to tofu, but not quite. Um, and my first graduate job was in Indonesia, so it always connects me back to that. And it's one of the things I love and miss the most. Uh, who was a person that inspired or encouraged you to set out and explore the world? Two people, if I am allowed two people. Yes. <laughs> um, one was my granddad. So my granddad had quite a few adventures in his life. He um, moved to East Africa at a very young age. And then from there, he brought the family to the UK. So he'd always had a lot of adventures. And I think he... Um, he gave me that sense of curiosity I had for the world. Um, and I think following from that, my father as well, um, just having that sense of curiosity and just that sense of adventure um, to explore and to see things from a new perspective and just to have these conversations with people to understand the world better. Yeah. If you could take an adventure with one person, fictional or real, alive or past, who would it be? I think I choose Benjamin Zephaniah, who unfortunately recently passed away. So he's um, a British poet, um, activist. Um, he's worn so many hats, um, but just his take on the world and the injustice in the world and the conversations he's had with people around the world just inspired me a lot in my journey as well. So I'd love, love to have had more conversations with him and traveled with him. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, the last uh, soul of travel is a space for really recognizing women creating a positive impact in the industry. I'd love to ask if there's someone that you would like to recognize in this space. So many incredible women um, to begin. Um, Alessandra Alonso is doing so much um, great work bringing women together. Um, there's my my teacher, um, her name is Bodjana, um, 
based in Thailand and she teaches a lot of people um, on community-based tourism, community-led tourism, has been doing this for at least 40 years and working across Southeast Asia and also West Africa. Um, so I think I'd love to follow in her footsteps and create the impact that she's had. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I think our listeners are definitely familiar with Alessandra um, and I'll share her episode in case they'd like to listen. And thank you for also mentioning your teacher. I think our teachers and our mentors are so important to us in our journey. And um, I, I love that you brought her name into the podcast. Um, yeah, well, thank you again for being here, for sharing your work. I hope that so many people are inspired. And I also hope that if they're in London, they look for unseen tours and um, are able to participate in this experience. And I know the next time that I'm there, it will be the very first thing on my list and not an afterthought. <laughs> <laughs> we look forward to having you join us on our tours. And thank you so much for this opportunity also. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Soul of Travel, presented by Journey Woman. I hope you enjoyed the journey. If you loved this conversation, I encourage you to subscribe and rate the podcast. Please share episodes that inspire you with others, because this is how we extend the impact of this show. Learn more about each of my guests by reading our episode blogs, which are more than your average show notes. I think you'll love the connection. Find our episode blogs at www.souloftravelpodcast.com. I am so proud of the way these conversations are bringing together people from around the world. If this sounds like your community, welcome. I am so happy you are here. I am all about community and would love to connect. You can find me on Facebook at Soul of Travel Podcast or follow me on Instagram either at she.sojourns or at soul of travel podcast stay up to date by joining the soul of travel podcast mailing list you'll also want to explore the journey woman community and its resources for women travelers over 50 i'd also like to share a quick thank you to my podcast producer and content magician carly eduardo ceo of convergente i look forward to getting to know you and hopefully hear your story.